Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. I believe we've got a lot to unpack today. Yes, Grant, and hello and welcome to our audience to another episode of our new regular session of Packaging News Unpacked. So with me today to discuss our views on the news is Kim Berry, editor of PKN Sister Magazine, Food and Drink Business. Welcome back, Kim. You did such a great job last time. Wayne Robinson's still on holidays or on holidays again. So here we are. And what (laughs) a month of news we have had. Quite the month, Lindy, and it's lovely to be back. And uh, Wayne can go on holidays whenever he <laughs> likes for my <laughs> my love of a microphone. Uh, but look, let's start with the biggest news of all for the industry. The Federal Environment Minister, Tanya Plibersek, has made a landmark announcement. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, so this is a result of a meeting of environment ministers, so state and federal, um, and it was announced about the middle of the month, Kim, and it has been a long time a coming. Voluntary targets and guidelines for Australia's packaging industry simply have not worked, and the government has now taken this landmark decision, as you called it, to step in and intervene. So, We know that a lot of manufacturers, that's brand owners um, and retailers and packaging converters are rising to the challenge to meet our 2025 national packaging targets, but too many are not, what we call free riders in the system. So this is why we need stricter regulation to be put in place. And it's not long now before those 2025 targets have to be realized. So that's just over two years and seven months. And we are currently very much on track to fail to meet them, as we've discussed yeah. several times on this podcast. So yes. in the near future, packaging is going to be subject to strict new government rules. They are aimed at cutting waste, boosting recycling. Um, and as I said to you, yes, this is a historic agreement that has been struck. It really is, uh, I guess, the start of a whole new phase or a whole new stage in the in this sort of packaging sector, isn't it? So what will the rules cover? Well, um, they've kind of been broadly scoped at this point, so we don't know specifically what they are, but they will help, and this is what Tanya Plibersek said, package, that to make sure that packaging waste is minimised in the first place and that where packaging is used, because of course it has to be used, it is designed to be recovered, reused, recycled or reprocessed. Um, They will include mandatory packaging design standards and targets that will make manufacturers and retailers responsible for reducing, reusing and recycling their plastic packaging. And that includes soft plastics. That word responsibility, it's uh, important, isn't it? So, I mean, how's the industry responded to it? On the surface of it, in the public domain, industry has welcomed the change. Um, Certainly bodies like APCO, who have worked really hard with the government. APCO did a huge review which advised or informed this decision. Um, And Chris Foley said, you know, this is, the, the time has come. We have to have this now. We have to move forward. And so APCO's response, of course, very positive, welcoming, and they will be working with government to bring these mandates and regulations into place. AFGC, so that's in your world, the Australian Food and Grocery Council, WWF Australia, National Retailers Association, Boomerang Allowance, a really um, strong environmental lobby group, 
all of these people have said, fantastic, high time, let's get on with it. So it will be interesting to see how this legislation and the mandates take shape. And of course, we will uh, keep across that. Of course, of course. It's just, I don't know, I think it was so encouraging. I think it gave a lot of people a, a new, a, a recharged the engines, so to speak, that that, that, that there is progress. Absolutely, and absolutely. That, you know, things are going mm. to change. Now, there's also been a lot happening in the paper-based packaging space and a lot of noise about this, particularly in, in you know, at my sector around beverages um, and looking at the controversial release of the Absolute vodka paper bottle. So, why is it controversial? Because for the for the cheap seats, you sort of go, oh, paper bottle, like the novelty factor is really there. So what's the controversy? Yeah, I think it is important to realise, Kim, that um, there's more than novelty factor going on here with these developments. And when big brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, uh, Coca-Cola Company, um, P&G, L'Oreal are all looking, Unilever, are looking at various iterations of paper bottles and how they can work with these, with their products. Um, so it isn't just an idea on paper as such. It is something that they see as having um, viability going forward. However, it's not necessarily the solution right now. They are on a journey and that's what's very clear. So this is what Absolute is doing. So Absolute Vodka, Swedish um, company, is rolling out a three-month trial for its single mold paper bottle. It's doing it in Tesco stores in a specific area that's Manchester in the UK. Um, and the company says it's a significant milestone on its journey towards creating a 100% bio-based bottle. So that's where it's aiming. But in social media, pushback, Kim, as you saw, it has been called out as greenwashing. Um, just to say this, that Absolute has developed this in partnership with a company called Paboco, which is um, means the paper bottle company. So it's a shortening of that. Um, and that is a community of global brands. So I mentioned to you that those are big names involved there. Coca-Cola, Carlsberg, P&G, L'Oreal are just some of them. And they are working collectively to get the drinks and liquid packaging industries um, able to push the boundaries, so they say, in sustainable packaging. But of course, the important thing about a paper bottle is it's always going to need some kind of barrier. Um, and that is where things are a little bit, um, so that's a gray area. So this bottle that Absolute has put to market is made from 57% paper with what is described as an integrated barrier of recyclable plastic. Now, that means 43% of it is made of plastic. Um, so, Absolute has said this is a trial that it hopes to gain insights from consumers and retailers to, see, to inform its next steps towards a fully paper bottle or bio-based bottle. Um, it will test how this bottle transports and how consumers perceive it. So, you know, just judging by your response there, some consumers might go, oh, great, a paper bottle. Let's try that. And it's doing it in its, for its full-size uh, vodka bottle. It's 500 mil size. It's um it's it's just an interesting sort of space, isn't it? Like, of course, this is a, this is a process that's going to take time. Like, to develop a new an entire new product along these lines is not something that's going to happen overnight. But then people sort of see, oh, a paper bottle. But then they see, oh, it's only fifty three percent, and then they, they get that mindset of, oh, well, it's not really paper. You're not just these companies are not just dealing with the technology and trying to develop these products. There is then the whole messaging around it as well, and and the consumer education process, which can be 
equally challenging. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially when it comes to, of course, the first question is, is it recyclable? So um, that's kind of why they've chosen Manchester as the trial area, because in Manchester, there is a recycling infrastructure that is set up to be able to cope with these bottles. And all that the consumer has to do is simply put it in their curbside recycling. And then the paper is sent to the paper mill um, at Carrington in Trafford. And there it's put through a repulping process, which separates the paper and the card fiber from the plastic liners. So what's keeping the liquid in place is a plastic liner. Okay. And so this is the separated paper is then made into new card packaging and the plastics are separated during the recycling process and are used to, this is important, to produce the heat necessary for the process. So in other words, this is going uh, waste to energy here. So it is not actually plastic going to plastic recycling. So another point about this plastic is it seems to be an, a new plastic to us. Well, it's obviously not new in, in chem chemistry sense, but it is made from polyethylene naphthalate, so PEN. Um, but I think that ultimately Poboco's idea would be to, their next generation is going to have a paper bottle that has got only 15% plastic barrier, and that barrier lining will be HDPE, so high-density polyethylene, which is a more uh, commonly recycled plastic. So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, getting down into the, into the granularity of the bottle there. <laughs> so are other companies, there's other companies out there, though, doing these sort of paper bottles as well. Like there's Frugal Pack is, is doing things, uh, doing, working with some companies over in our neck of the woods, yeah, aren't so, they? Yeah, um, so yeah, one of the comments on, on the, in the pushback on social media about the Absolute Bottle was, Gosh, this has now been more than six years in the making. In fact, I think it's even been longer to get to this point. Um, so they're on a slow burn to get to where Frugal Pack has already got to. Now, Frugal Pack is a British-based company um, that launched in 2020 a paper bottle, which is in fact 93% paper, uh, or maybe a little bit more. Um, and they, yes, exciting news, are coming to Australia. They are here in Australia. They have their bottles have hit the shelves here, um, and they're with mother, they're with mother's ruin, aren't they? Or mother's ruined, and um, and then there's a Sydney there's a Sydney brand which has beautiful packaging, I must say, called uh, Mother of Pearl Vodka. Curious question, but this is a complete sidebar. Why are mothers always involved when it comes to chins and vodkas? <laughs> Ah, well, we could answer that, Kim, couldn't we? But we won't, right? Not on this I know. podcast. Mother's ruin. <laughs> Not on this podcast. So, yes, right. um, two local brands are early adopters. We've got Mother's Ruin, that's New Zealand based, and that's a gin, and Sydney based Mother of Pearl Vodka. Also, two local contract bottlers are offering the frugal bottle filling service. So, um, and that's Senector, which is part of the San Miguel Yamamara Group and Melbourne based Encore Beverages. And importantly, an Australian company is looking at buying the Frugal Pack assembly. It's a bottle assembly machine. So this is what you need to understand about the Frugal Bottle is it has to be – it gets assembled. It gets molded and assembled because it's kind of like the cask that you know for wine, the bag-in-box system, but it's bag-in-bag-in-bottles. So the plastic here, the difference here is that it's, it's a pouch with a spout that gets inserted into a paper shell. So you mold that paper shell. That paper shell can be beautifully printed, graphically printed. Um, and then a very lightweight, small percentage of this is the 
is the cask is like the little pouch. So the it's the metalized plastic. We're really avoiding the word. Goon. Yeah, we are. We are avoiding that word. The goon sack. Okay, we said it. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I have no. So <laughs> you, you and I have children in their twenties, and I've got some. In so the, teens. the reality is avoid. this: the six percent. So yeah, ninety-four percent is paper. The six percent is not, and that six percent certainly in this market, Kim, is not going to be recycled. It's going into landfill. Okay, um, at this point. Okay, but that might change in times to come. But there is huge demand for this bottle. Well, I say huge. I mean, it's that not... was going to be my yeah. next question. <laughs> is this something that is a lot of because I can imagine that this is a lot lighter than a glass bottle, and so that in terms of things like if you're trying to manage all of your freight costs and you know everything that's happening in the current economic climate, it is five times lighter than a standard glass bottle. That's um, the number that is thrown at me when I spoke to the CEO of Frugal Pack, who was thrilled to be um, making their foray here. Um, and he explained to me that uh, they're having to put in a new line in Ipswich, which is where they are, because their demand has just skyrocketed. Uh, they have now got capacity to make more than 120 million frugal pot bottles in Ipswich, but the demand from order inquiries here in Australia is as high as 27 million bottles per annum. So the first company that installs that machine and has the capability to make and print those bottles is going to clean up. So we do have it um, on confirmation that there is a company um, that is looking at it, but they haven't actually purchased the bottle yet. So um, that is the print media group. So they were happy to go on record saying why they were looking at it because they are having such high demand from their customers for sustainable paper-based packaging. Um, that Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting story too to see how that unfolds. And then paper packaging isn't just, I mean, you know, there's then moving on from beverages, there's a lot of, um, you know, interest in terms of particular paper-based packaging in the fresh produce sector as well. We saw that, you know, in this yes. month with Matolo Family Farms. Yeah, so Matolo Family Farms has partnered with Deadpack. Um, Deadpack is the paper packaging converter, the people behind the Woolworths paper bag as well, uh, many other paper packaging things as well, of course, paper-based, fiber-based packaging things. Um, and they've also done an exclusive with Coles on this particular one. So we now are seeing their, it's their Gormandine potatoes, so they're high-end potatoes that are being packaged in these paper bags on shelf in Coles. Um, the paper bag, Kim, here again, wasn't just an overnight development because you think about the big potato sacks that, of unwashed potatoes that we sort of in our childhood were used to having or seeing around um, and are certainly are still available. This is different. This is replacing the plastic bag that you would get your two kilograms of potatoes in usually. And one of the things, um, I mean, it takes a long time. It took three years to develop this. Uh, and, of course, I asked the question of Debt Pack GM Sustainability, Tom Lunn. You're like, why does it take so long? Yeah. Um, and he said, well, one of the things you have to yeah. factor in, you've got to think about um, many things, barrier properties, tear factors, and all of that. But you've got to remember that these bags are being formed and filled and sealed on high-speed production lines. And that is a lot, there's a lot of trialing and testing involved in refining that product. So Deadpack supplies the material as rewind uh, to Matolo and then Matolo at their production facility does the inline form fill and seal of these bags. Um, so 
Tomland told me that this packaging innovation will deliver a 64% reduction in plastic. Um, so with 8.2 tons less plastic being used each year when you compare this to the previous packaging for this product. And of course, the paper bag also carries the Australian recycling label and is uh, curbside recyclable. It's worth noting that Matolo is actually Australia's largest potato producer. So when they when they do something like this, it does have major sort of impact. Um, just as an, an aside, the company did actually sell a majority stake in its to the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan back in March. But the Matolo family, um, the Matolo family, just said, "Look, we actually need the we need that financial investment for you know to then grow." the business to what we want it to be, um, but that the that the family, the Matolo family, are still, um, they've still got a significant ownership stake and um, they're still essentially, they're running the company and obviously running, you know, developments and innovation like this. Yeah, so they, they were super excited. Uh, Matolo Family Farms MD Frank Matolo said that they, you know, were really proud to, to deliver this this packaging, they had to consider everything from lux lighting levels in the supermarket, who'd have thunk it, <laughs> through to breathing holes that don't tear and new ceiling solutions, the bag strength, and more. And interestingly, um, Tom Lunn also told me that demand is surging for paper-based packaging in that fresh produce category, particularly from premium brands like this. Um, and it's driven by the strong anti-plastic sentiment among consumers, especially in that fresh produce space for some reason. Um, and then coupled, of course, with concerns about the lack of infrastructure around soft plastic recycling. So uh, this does make a difference. And certainly when I was overseas at Interpac recently, and we spoke about that last month, Kim, paper-based solutions in fresh produce surging definitely growing. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's really, I wonder if it's if it's a connection for the consumer between it's a fresh produce and then there's something more organic about a paper packaging. And so you, you yeah, it's, it's part of that whole, those thought processes that we all have that you know, were laid down at some point and hard shift. Yeah. And we really can't. And that's the thing. You cannot, you cannot discount consumer perception, consumer behaviors, those things that happen in that split second at the shop's shelf, you know, in the eye when, you, when you're making that emotive decision that not even you are making the brain connections around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was a really good point, uh, you know, because I think all of us would just sort of go, oh, you know, why does it take that long to develop a paper bag? But then you exactly, it's, it's A, the processing situation of it has to cope across the line. But then once it's in the store and it's fresh produce, there's all those other factors that you that you just mentioned in terms of, you know, lighting and that's going to, you know, no one likes a green potato. <laughs> no, and, and um, also I think that the quality of the print, because uh, this print uh, is flex, it's flexo printed in water-based inks by Deadpack uh, before it supplies that rewind to them. And you can really achieve fantastic graphics on, on this this particular material. So in other news, we've talked about a couple of, um, you know, a couple of companies from overseas that are, that are doing some interesting projects, but there's another US company actually announced that it's coming, it's entering the, the Australian market. Yeah, Who so was that? That, was, that also impacts your side of the business, Kim, because it's for beverage. So it's Pactech. So Pactech um, is a secondary packaging manufacturer. So if you consider the, the can of beer as the primary pack, the, what they manufacture is that holder, that thing that goes across the top in plastic that holds the six-pack together, 
Okay, so it's the carry section. Um, and they have now announced that they are coming into Australia. They're establishing an on-the-ground presence with a contract manufacturing facility in Victoria and a proprietary partnership with Vizi. So um, what this means is that Vizi will be manufacturing, obviously using the IP of Pactech, um, these handles for multi-packs. They're made from 100% recycled high-density polyethylene. Um, and that means that Vizi will be able to use HDPE that is collected in the Australian recycling stream and reprocess that and make these Pactech holders. And then from there, and these are also recyclable themselves. So it's a full circular solution that's being offered here. So it's packaging handles for cans, bottles, and other containers. And Pactech will have, once it's up and running later this year, the capacity to manufacture 100 million recycled injection molded packaging handles through this process. Um, and yeah, there's huge demand, Pactech says, and obviously very strategic aligning with Fizzy, who is a key recycler and already has that kind of processing or manufacturing expertise in plastics as well. Uh, now, speaking of growing local manufacturing. Yes, Kim, speaking of that, <laughs> you covered the story on Mars Petcare's investment in some single-serve pouch lines. Tell we, us more. We did. Well, apparently we all love our pets a, <laughs> a lot. lot. And uh, and in uh, last year alone, Australians spent more than $33 billion on their pets and over half of that was spent on the food for them. So Mars Pet Care has a factory in, down in Wodonga and it announced that it's investing 112. Uh, $6 million in that plant to bring in two new lines, well, actually to build a, a, a building adjacent to the current facility uh, and to put in two advanced single-serve pouch lines uh, that will be producing uh, its single-serve pouches, obviously, for Whiskers, Advance, Optimum, Dine and other new product ranges, all relating to cat food because apparently more of us are loving cats um, than, than puppy dogs at the moment. Uh, the other good thing about this is, uh, well, there's two other really fabulous things about this. There's 60 new local jobs in a regional centre in Australia, something I'm incredibly passionate about in terms of food and beverage manufacturing. And it's also bringing, it's onshoring pet food production so these this is this product's currently being made in Thailand. So it's bringing it on shore, and it also means that all the ingredients in the in the products are going to be sourced locally. So, so I, yeah, I mean that is just that is just such good news. Um, mm. Two hundred ninety million pouches per annum, twenty five yeah, kiloton capacity. That's a lot of cats. <laughs> Pouch products, interestingly, have the largest share of the Australian wet cat food market. 53% and significant growth 19% year on year. 19 So as I've said before. Year on year. 19. The pouch is going nowhere. What's the recyclability of these? And of course, because they are, you know, they've got liquidy gel-like cat food in them, they, you know, they're going straight into landfill at this point. So what did he say about that? He said that the... Um, their aim is to develop packaging that is 100% reusable, recyclable or compostable while decreasing virgin plastic use by 25%. Uh, but I'm not sure in terms of uh, its recyclability 
as it you know as it stands. Well, that, obviously it wouldn't today. go um, at the moment. You we couldn't can't. put it into. We know so- at the moment we can't. No. Um, but there might be, and I'm just hoping these are one of the some of the things I'm going to be talking about with um, coming up soon on the podcast. We're going to be interviewing. Tanya Barden from the AFGC, and she's going to be talking about the National Plastics Recycling Scheme, and that's around soft plastics. And I would like to understand when you've got this kind of tonnage of um, soft plastic or flexible pouches going into landfill ostensibly right now, what are the solutions for that long term? And maybe the solution isn't the same as it is for a cleaner plastic, soft plastic. Maybe there's another solution that can be developed for this. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of do know what that could be, but I don't really want to go that, down that path right now. Um, but I think when it comes to going Going back to what Tanya Plibersek said and the rules and regulations that are going to be coming in, every single product design is going to have to consider end of life. So Mars is always one for investing in regional um, manufacturing in Australia. They, you can see them doing the same thing at, at the Mars Wrigley plant um, in Ballarat and developing whole new innovative oh, packaging Oh, yes, we spoke about um, that, the paper-based there. confectionery. Um, so, yes, that's another yeah. paper example. Mm. So maybe uh, maybe they'll um, maybe they'll set the standard here if they're looking at innovation in terms of these pou- the, you know, pouches for... Yeah, so if you think about a pouch that could have a barrier layer that is, say, a PLA that could be compostable, it's a paper pouch, but you rip it open and, and, you know, solutions can be found. These solutions take a lot of development, they take time, they are expensive and take investment. But um, I think everybody is is getting their heads into the same space and uh, there there is hope on the horizon. Now, we love a brand or company that aligns with a social purpose. Or social enterprise, and you've been all across this company in the last couple of weeks that had that have been a bit quiet for yes. a while. Yes, yes, uh, Kim. Thank you. Thank you is the social enterprise that was founded in Australia some years ago. It started with the concept of bringing a bottle of water to market that if people bought that bottle, which they were buying anyway, um, all the profits would go to helping people in poverty. Um, And it was founded by Daniel Flynn um, and his partner, Justine. And what an epic ride they have had. Uh, In fact, at one of our first food and drink business lives, live events that we had, Daniel spoke and he told his story then of the journey that they had just as from an idea to getting that water bottle to market. And um, you could have heard a pin drop, honestly. People were so enthralled by the story. So there is Australians love thank you. I think that's had a wide following. But thank you has discovered over time that whenever they brought new products to market, because they then got into the food space, they got into the baby nappy space, they did a whole bunch of things with some brilliant ideas and some fantastic products. But every time they did... The big brands came after them, undercut prices, squeezed them out, made things really difficult. So about 18 months ago, they came up with this idea, well, hang on, we need to solve global poverty. That's our mission. We don't care how we do it. Why don't we go to the big guys, give them an invitation to join us in this quest? So they set about this massive global campaign um, and They invited Unilever and Procter & Gamble. They had this huge social media and mass media and 
billions, billions of posts and things around this whole thing. Needless to say, Procter & Gamble said, no, thank you. Unilever, Procter & Gamble said, no, thank you. We don't. They turned it down. But in the process of this, many other players came to the party and said, yes, we do want to work with you. Yes, we can develop products with you. So the, to cut a long story short, I attended the uh, Insiders launch recently. Um, and Thank You is now Thank You Reimagined. They have launched a full range of products. They're going across Coles, Woolworths, also direct to consumer. Um, and they, this has been done through a series of agile partnerships that will bring these, what they are calling revolutionary product ranges that are designed to meet the needs of consumers. So everything has been thought with a circular purpose in mind. They've uh, brought forever bottles out, um, products that are already, that are recyclable but contain recycled content in their packaging. Um, and through this whole project, um, Thank You is working on expanding its reach from 23 million consumers in Australia to cover 2.69 billion consumers across four continents in the next three years. So it is a bold courageous plan as everything that Thank You has ever put their heart and minds to um, has been before. So these products are now on shelf. We need to start looking for them. They're rolling out in Australia first. They're also going to have uh, a pop-up store in Melbourne where you can go in and experience some of the merchandise and products around that. And then uh, around the world, they're going to be rolling things out, but they've learned and they're not announcing when, where, or what timing, because if they do that, big brands will come after them again. And, you know, I don't think um, nobody wants this not to, not to succeed. They really have the opportunity here to make a massive difference. And they're calling this whole thing consumerism reimagined. So, and it's, that's, that's what we're doing here. Can we reframing, we resetting, we are trying to say, well, we're buying these products, any, we are buying this type of product anyway. And they've gone after categories like personal care and a whole new category for them, cleaning agents as well. Um, so, yep, let's wait. I'm just like, I can't wait to see. Just audacious mm. and audacious and bold and, oh, just tremendous. So, um, yeah, speaking of bold, so. <laughs> I'm going to one last little snippet <laughs> because this month also encompassed World Environment Day. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a little company in New Zealand. Well, they're not so little, actually. They are growing, uh, founded by two amazing women, Kate Bizar and um, Rebecca Pekaski. It's called the Better Packaging Company, so it kind of says what it does. And they're in Australia as well. And they do e-commerce shipping bags and e-commerce uh, shipping uh, packaging. So what they decided to do was to make give the world or the Australian world a wake-up call on the very early morning of World Environment Day down on Bondi Beach with a rather extraordinary sculpture. <laughs> it was Yes. It's quite eye-catching. Yeah, eye-catching to say the <laughs> least, Kim. So I went along there to interview the two of them. Um, it was shaped in the uh, form of the emoji poop, okay? So we, we get it the out there. Yeah. A little bit confronting to see. Yep. But what was confronting, of course, was it was seven and a half, long tube of seven and a half tons of plastic waste, which represents the amount of waste that goes into our oceans every 30 seconds. That is just 
heartbreaking. And Kate told me it's 80% of that is coming from Southeast Asia. And um, what they're trying to do as a company is capture that plastic. We call it ocean-bound plastic when they capture it before it hits the ocean recycle it and they have developed a product called Polastic um, which is a, a plastic that they use then to make uh, e-commerce shipping bags and so on so there's more you know there's more on about that on our website but I did think <laughs> it was quite a it was quite a fun thing to do but it was also it's it's it too like thank you it has captured the imagination of people wow you know and they've got some stunning photos and the best photo of all was there was a rainbow early in the morning and the rainbow the way the photo was taken the rainbow <laughs> landed on not the pot of gold <laughs> but the pot of food yeah this plastic this plastic on our beaches and this is this is another example of how you can really engage and educate uh, the you know us the consumers because when I read that story and and just went every thirty seconds that amount of every thirty seconds you just it's appalling and you just it makes you stop and it makes you think and those things are a really important part of the process. Well, I mean the simple act of reducing of cutting the plastic bags from um, our shopping from from Woolworths and Coles, has reduced, I read an, a stat online from Pete Siglinski, the guy who does the sea bins in Sydney Harbour, and he said 70% reduction of plastic bags since they've stopped that. It might even be slightly higher um, being found in, in the waters that in the waterways that they service around Sydney Harbour. Um, but speaking of consumer engagement, how about <laughs> lions fantastic success with its foray into limited edition beer cans. Now you spoke to them. Someone said to me, yes, I did. Someone said to me, you know, late last week, I don't understand, like, what's all this fuss about this this game? And I'm like, never come between a Queenslander and their, and their sport, particularly if it's a state. Or their Forex beer. And wine. <laughs> Or their beer, or their state beer, and sure enough, Lion just tapped into that, <laughs> tapped into that vein of gold, and uh, my goodness! So they developed, they've done two, um, you know, special cans in the last month. I think they were both in the last month. The Forex for State of Origin uh, Rugby League was each can had a number on it, and they, you know, so you could collect them and then make up your own postcode. Not my jam, but I'm sure there were people out there who have now quite proudly have that sitting on their bookshelf. Um, but uh, and then the other one was the lure, which was also really interesting because it was about attracting. Um, oh no! I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> it has a little DIY feature. So if you are a fisherman, an angler, let's say, so they're targeting a specific group of people. So an angler that likes to drink beer and is concerned about the waterways, where carp is an invasive species in the Sunshine State. So you can cut out, with it, by scanning the can, you get the DIY instructions for how to cut a lure out of this can and use that metal lure to catch carp. Apparently this attracts them and it will allow um, fishermen to catch the carp and reduce the population because it is so invasive. So there's packaging with a social <laughs> or an environmental purpose, also um, creating consumer engagement and no doubt, no doubt, selling a lot of beer. Oh, well, you and I both know that the PKN uh, website and the Food and Drink Business website 
went off the charts with those stories. Astounding, Astounding. absolutely. Yes, well done, well done and uh, cheers to that. But on that very note, I kind yes. of we have to say cheers now too. So uh, thanks, Kim, for another wonderful chat about my favourite subject, <laughs> and um, hope to have you back on the podcast soon. Absolute pleasure. Well, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Lindy. And thanks to our audience for joining us here today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can like us on iTunes as this helps others discover our show. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.